Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well. Rory here with you on the Big Red Bench for this Sunday evening. We have a lot to get through over the next hour right here on Cork's Red FM. A very, very busy show indeed. We are going to have reaction from Cork's epic win over uh, Waterford today in the All-Ireland Camogie Championship minor uh, quarter final. An extra time win for the Rebels. Their reaction to come from the Cork camp. We'll be analysing Ireland's superb win over England. Yes, they we're going to hear from four Former Ireland and Munster legend Moss Finn. What's going to be talking to Tom Savage of Three Red Kings about that? We're going to hear from Cork City boss Colin Healy as the Rebel Army prepare for a top of the table clash as they prepare to take on Waterford tomorrow night at Turners Cross. And we have tickets to give away to the game as well. All that's coming between now and seven o'clock right here on Cork FM. Hey, hey. Delighted you could join us for the Big Red Bench. Rory here with you until 7pm. Our number 086-8104-106. You're going to need that if you want to text in for our competition. We have a couple of pairs of tickets to give away to Cork City and Waterford tomorrow night at Turner's Cross. Over 4,000 there on Friday night. You see City beat Ramblers. There's 5,000 there for the first home game of the season against uh, Galway. And it's going to be a massive crowd again tomorrow night. And you could be there with thanks to Cork's Red FM. All you have to do is text the answer to this very, very simple question. Who is Cork City's manager? Who is Cork City's manager? 86 We're going to hear from Cork City's manager a little bit later on. And uh, you could win a pair of tickets just by telling me who he is. 86 uh, Your name, your answer to that, please. We'll draw out the winners just before 7 o'clock. Green and Red coming up tonight. Uh, three hours of the best Irish music coming away right here on Cork. So FM that's coming up at 7pm this evening but if you want to text in your answer to the question 86 106 and uh, you could be winning those tickets to uh, Cork City versus Waterford tomorrow night uh, we've got a text in already say Neil Horgan is the Cork City manager nope not quite almost though almost not quite <laughs> we'll hear from the Cork City manager in the second part of the show this evening just going to wrap up all today's action it has been a very very busy day indeed and in defeat for Cork today they're still without a win in Division 2 of the Allianz Football League losing out to meet they won 18 to 110 Cork now bottom of the table on scoring difference down going ahead of them after Cork's defeat today and uh it's look relegation to Division Three is looking like a real, real possibility now. So, not uh, a good uh, championship for Cork whatsoever. Uh, Derry and Ross Common finishing twelve points apiece. Galway have beaten Clare two eighteen to one five. Elsewhere, Monaghan have beaten Donegal one twelve to ten points. And Dublin, their first one of the Allianz Football League today. They've beaten Tyrone by five points. Dahi Boland was watching this one. Full time, Dublin 13, Tyrone 8. Dublin with their first win in the 2022 Allianz League. Tyrone played the majority of the second half with 14 men as captain Podrick Hamsey was sent off after receiving a yellow card to add to his black card in the first half. Dublin were down to 14 themselves at one stage when Niall Scully received a black card in the 55th minute. Every score Dublin got today from play. Desi Farrell, a much happier manager leaving Oma. Full-time, Dublin 13, Tyrone 8. 
the Dubs finally getting their first win of the championship uh, today and over that win over Tyrone elsewhere in the Lidl Ladies National Football League relegation playoff it was uh, Waterford beating Westmead 170 to 7 points in Abbottstown today she was surviving the drop uh, from that game elsewhere in Camogie as I mentioned at the top of the show Cork have beaten Waterford in the Tesco Ireland All-Ireland Minor Championship quarter final it uh, finished uh, 10 points to 9 uh, after extra time in a very 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 close battle it looked like it might have been going to penalties but uh, a late point from Cork uh, securing the victory we'll hear from the Cork camp in just a little bit uh, reaction f- or results I should say from the Red FM uh, Hurling League today in 1-8 finished Blackrock 18 points Bishopstown 10 points Douglas defeating the reigning champions Middleton 117-111 and in 1-B Sarsfields 3-14 St. Finbar's 2-17 draw match there Newcastle for Moy Cantorque versus Mallow were postponed today because of the weather in the Premier League Arsenal leading Leicester 2-0 Ian Beach Arsenal 2 Leicester 0 Alexander Lacazette scoring a penalty awarded after a VAR decision referee Anthony Taylor checking the monitor on the pitch side after a header by Thomas Partey hits Shaglar Soyuncu on its way into an unguarded net and that by the left of the law had to be a penalty Lacazette stepped up and lifted it high into the back of the net so it's Arsenal 2 Leicester 0 Elsewhere, Everton are looking more and more likely like they're going down, dropping like a stone, performing poorly, and another defeat today. Lost to Wolves at Goodison Park, where Shane Pennington was watching. Everton nil, Wolves won. If there were any Evertonians who thought their side weren't in a relegation battle, well, they certainly are now, as the hosts lost for an eighth time in nine league games to add insult to injury. The teams in and around them got points crucially too. After a positive first half display in which they didn't take their chances, the second half was very different, as Wolves upped their game and recorded a second win in four days. Connor Cody headed the vital goal from a Neves cross, and as the frustration grew around Goodison, John Joe Kenny was sent off for two bookable offences inside three minutes. The win moves Wolves up to seventh, whilst only goal difference now keeps Everton out of the bottom three. Everton nil, Wolves one. I'm going to hear now from Frank Lampard. He's a bit exasperated. If we score in the first half in our moment, the game looks completely different. You just have to have an understanding and keep working. And work until that thing turns in your favour and you can get on a run of games because we have belief here, but in the moment it's tough because you, you know it's been a long time since the club has not been winning the games we want. So we have to keep fighting, keep working. Simple as that. Yeah, it was a bad day for Everton anyway. It was made worse by the fact that Watford picked up a superb win today, beating Southampton 2-1 at St Mary's, where Peter Hood was watching. Southampton 1, Watford 2... Cucho Hernandez two goals breathed life into Watford's bid to escape the relegation places he scored twice in the first half the first one came from a dreadful mistake at the back by the Saints he nipped in to score then and volleyed a second goal before Elian Yusey pulled one back for Southampton right on half time the second half was full of uh, uh, chances also bookings as well as the frustration came through but Watford held on Southampton won Watford 2 so they are now level on point with Everton Everton with that superior goal difference just keeping them outside uh, the bottom three we're going to hear from uh, Watford goalkeeper Ben Foster <laughs> it's one of them honestly um, yeah we've gone in at half time too we knew it was going to be tough second half we knew we were going to have our backs to the ball we were trying to get on the front foot we were trying to create chances but in the position you're in it's, it's inevitable that you're going to just end up sitting back and inviting the pressure but the lads in front of me absolutely top class today Chelsea putting uh, a very tough week for them off the field uh, behind them uh, with a 1-0 win over Newcastle today Joshua Adudonker watching a Stamford Bridge Chelsea 1 Newcastle United 0 Kai Havertz 
has won it for Chelsea. A lovely touch to bring it down from a Jorginho ball. Havertz poked it home in an 89th minute after a flat and two performance in truth up to that point from Chelsea. Newcastle's on beta run ends at nine Premier League games. A spirited and strong away performance from Eddie Howe's team. He probably felt they had the best chances to take all three points. But Havertz's goal secures Chelsea another home win. Chelsea won. Newcastle United nil. Yeah, Chelsea in real trouble uh, off the field because um, of what's happening with Roman Abramovich. Um, he was disqualified as the director of Chelsea. The UK government have uh, frozen his assets. There's talk that Chelsea could be running out of money in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's a very, very um, a fraught time for Chelsea considering everything that's going uh, on off the field. Um, but uh, yeah, good win for them today on the field uh, against Newcastle at Stamford Bridge. West Ham have beaten Aston Villa today. Guy Swindles. West Ham 2, Aston Villa 1. A largely forgettable first half was followed by a very memorable second half. Nothing more memorable than the way West Ham took the lead in the 70th minute. Ben Rama through to Andre Yarmolenko on for a substitute for the injured Antonio. He turned and poked the ball home the first time he's played since his country, the Ukraine, was invaded and fair play to the Aston Villa fans. Even they applauded the goal once they realised who had scored it. West Ham went 2-0 up. Lovely counter-attack involving Rice, Ben Rama, Fornals finishing off. And then there was a moment when Villa looked as if they got back in it. Jacob Ramsey slotting home superbly from the edge of the area. But in the end, the Hammers held on. West Ham 2, Aston Villa 1. Great win for Leeds today as they beat Norwich, Adam Drury. At 94th minute, Joe Gellhart goal gave Leeds a dramatic 2-1 win over Norwich. Leeds took the lead in the 14th minute with Rodrigo strike. From there, the Whites, though, struggled to put the game to bed. The Canaries looked to have nicked a point when McLean scored in the 91st minute. But in the fourth minute of stoppage time, Rafinha set up Gellhart to secure a win that puts clear daylight between Leeds and the relegation zone. Full-time at Ellen Road, it finished Leeds 2, Norwich 1. That's the first win for new boss Jesse Marsh. It's uh, brought an end a run of six straight defeats and uh, he's absolutely I've heard a lot about the magic of Ellen Road, and I think we we felt that today, right? So the crowd was fantastic. I think the performance brought the crowd into the game, and that that's listen. Obviously, the three points are incredibly massive for us, but we played well. Shout out to Lee in Ballavillan who's uh, texting to say they are listening to the show. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to the Big Red Bench this evening. Elsewhere, Rangers uh, beat Dundee today in the Scottish Cup quarter final. Last year's beaten finalist Hibs beat 10-man Motherwell by two goals to one. Uh, basketball today and uh, the double winning the address. UCC Glamour wrapped up their season with a win over Trinity Meteors today. Glamour winning 81 points to 53. And golf and uh, Seamus Power shooting a one under par, second on a 71 at the Weather Delay Players Championship in Florida. He's two under par all round in a tie for 25th, five shots off the pace. Roy McIlroy, two over par after his two rounds. He looks unlikely to make the cut. Shane Laurie level par through 15 of his second round. And just a check on the Premier League. Yes, yeah, still Arsenal 2, Leicester City nil, and 10 minutes uh, to go in that game there. Right, we are going to kick off the show though with that fantastic win for Cork's uh, minor Camogie side today in the All-Ireland quarter-final. Thrilling stuff. 
fought very very hard against the dog at Waterford team neck and neck all the way normal time couldn't separate them and it looked like extra time wasn't going to be able to separate them either but a very late free today from uh, Orla Cahalan put uh, the Rebels into the All-Ireland semi-final Jeremy McCarthy the hardest working person in the business was down in Castle Road today he caught up with players Orla Cahalan and Orla Mullins and boss Jerry Wallace now I'm here with three very happy individuals the winning Cork minor manager Jerry Wallace Orla Cahalan and Orla Mullins the captain Orla Cahalan I turn to you first congratulations on the victory Thank you. how hard was it out in that pitch today it was a very heavy pitch and you had to play extra time as well oh it was very tough Waterford were very were up for it today and it would, we could tell on the pitch the physicality was something else we're not used to that at all and it was just we're just delighted to get through now yeah that's the thing it was a battle today really wasn't it and I mean freeze were hugely important especially the very last one yeah I suppose the nerves were a bit at us at the end but thank god we got through <laughs> yeah, how much will this bring you on how happy are you like that you got over such a tough opponent today oh delighted we, we definitely could do with the the tough match like the quarter final will bring us on hugely for the semi now and just delighted yeah and looking forward to that in a couple of weeks time but something to aim for and something to train for now yeah exactly yeah well congratulations to your Callan very well done uh, Captain Ormond, how happy are you with that performance? I'm over the moon, over the moon. <laughs> Delighted with the team's performance. We're putting it in since November and Jerry's helping us out, so that all dug deep and we won in the end. Um, a seriously tough opponent today, physical, battled for every single ball and you had to dig deep to win this. Yeah, sure. It happens in big matches and it was a big match today and we all dug deep for it. The pitch didn't really help us out, but it was with us all. It was for every girl on that panel and we all we did it for each other in the end. Yeah, like you do you, a lot of training sessions leading up to this, but this kind of a match is better than any training any training session because you're asked questions of the team. They ask questions of everybody on the panel, and you had the answers today on the off the bench as well. Yeah, we did. Girls came on and showed what they're capable of as well. I know it it shows what we can as a team achieve. Like it's not the starting fifteen; it's the whole thirty. It's the whole thirty that, as a unit, brings us and will bring us to win. Hopefully now. Yeah, and just as a captain, you must be very proud of the players' efforts, and I'm proud you are of the management team. But you must be proud of the players' efforts because again a physical team not a kind of challenge you've had so far this year and you really when you, when the questions were asked again you had the answers yeah we did we worked well together and I mean yeah. and we are over the moon with it yeah so well, congr- congratulations and we'll talk to you soon uh, Jerry Wallace um, I've been to a lot of camogie matches over the last couple of years you've been to far more than I'll ever be that was in terms of uh, tension in terms of excitement it was gripping not an easy game to be a manager though no not an easy game at all and if anyone would like my position they can have it in 12 months time look I think that's what uh, young people's sport brings uh, like that's why I'm coach and I love it because like to see those girls there today the Cork girls the Waterford girls Hmm. like anyone that's was here I'd say they really really enjoyed the match it was nip and tuck like 10 points to 9 you know I'll take it Um, last year we didn't have this type of match going into an All-Ireland semi-final this year we got it and I think it's brilliant I think as well we got to use the panel and the players again today we 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 needed to put on stronger girls as the game developed like stronger girls that were able to hold their gro- on themselves on the ground because the game was physically tough like Waterford were very good like you have to give them yeah. great credit and great credit to what they've been doing there but listen we're delighted you're absolutely delighted we, we've got something to look forward to now again in the next week and I was going to say that I was going to actually mention that this time last year like when you got to the semi-final you got into the final there wasn't really a physical challenge as, as tough as you got today now you 
would have had a tough challenge to get to an all Ireland final, obviously. But the physicality and the fact that the pitch, and I, I want to pay tribute to the Camogie board because they were out here this morning, early morning, pitch barks the whole lot to make sure that this game went ahead. The pitch held up just about considering all the rain. But were you worried coming in today because any kind of game plan, you know, when the pitch is so heavy, sometimes that can go out the window? It can indeed. And, and what was what was very noticeable, like the girls, like Maureen, Maureen, they're now the chairperson and all her ladies, they've been here since I think half past 10 or 10 o'clock this morning and they were pitch working. I got here myself at 11 and I was out on the field with them, Joe, just walking around looking at it. Um, it it's like the whole day, it was it was built around there being a, a tough game. And what I'm delighted like was at half time in the first game, in the normal part of it, the statistics at the time on the dirty ball were, were in favour of Waterford. There were 14 scrummages, we'll say, and Waterford had won, I think, 9 of the 14. So we spoke to the girls that they, they, that they had now encountered the physicality that we hadn't, or we can't reciprocate that in training. Exactly. We can't make that sure. So they were living it, in it right now. So that's where you learn. And in fairness, our statsman came at the end, the full time to me, before we went into extra time. He said, Jerry, you brought that back. You're competitive on that stat now. You're also competitive, he said, on winning individual ball, which was which was good as well. We also got the grip with their, their movement. Waterford had good movement, and in particular with their number nine. I don't know her name now, but like I, I'm a great believer in the players on the field bringing me information. Mm. And in fairness to my girls, they brought me that information at full time. We were able to din go man marking on some of the key water players yeah. so we were able to take those players out of the game by man marking them yeah. whereas they were finding space during the 60 minutes we'll say and I think that's great there's a great there's a great relationship between the girls and myself and the management team there's fabulous there's great communication there's great work with we'd be fiery and we'd be festy on the sideline we'd be even arguing with each other while the match is on sure. but that's all part of what's going on that's all part of trying to win games for Cork it's great stuff like it is great stuff and Jerry congratulations for everybody in the big red bench we'll see in the semi-final sure thanks very much and once again great support from the Red Brinch and from yourselves and we're delighted yeah thank you indeed Jerry. and don't forget the Women's Sport Podcast every Thursday with Ger McCarthy uh, at 12 noon bringing you all the best from the world of women in sport and you'll get that on redfm.ie this week it'll be a day early it'll be on Wednesday at noon because Patrick's Day is on Thursday so we're going to put it out on Wednesday so be sure and check for that subscribe to the Big Red Bench Podcast uh, to make sure you don't miss we're going to hear briefly from uh, the Waterford Camp I'm going to hear from their mentor, Roshan Hartley. I'm here with Waterford's Roshan Hartley after an absolutely epic All-Ireland uh, quarter-final between Cork and Waterford, which went right to the death. Cork winning by point after extra time. Roshan, firstly, um, your team, your, your panel could not have done much more than that today. A savage performance, but heartbreak at the result, obviously. Ah, uh, yeah, look, we're extremely disappointed, you know. They worked so hard, and they really, really, really put it up to Cork there. And, you know, we really thought we could get it over the line. You know, we were unlucky with some freeze there and we really felt you know, that the game was there for the taking and they won it with a last minute free really and that's I suppose unfortunately the scoreboard finishes the match doesn't it? It does but you must take heart from that performance and you will take heart I know we're not right now it's still very raw but that the talent that was out in that pitch from Watford today I'll be honest it surprised me I didn't realise how good a team you were and that's the toughest game Cork have had all year Well I've with this group now since they're under 14 and uh, they're just an exceptional group of players probably very underrated uh, as Warford tends to be in Camogie um, but you know if 
I've no doubt in my mind that the senior rugby players, senior water players there, and um, you know, look, we'll regroup now and look at the Monster Championship and try and get them through there, and hopefully my kids some sort of silverware before the year's out. But they're going to be gutted, and it's going to be very hard. They put in savage work there, and um, you know, we really, really thought we could we could uh, steal it today, but unfortunately, such is life, isn't it? Indeed, and just finally, like when you consider the conditions, the pitch was so heavy after all the rain at the weekend. The effort put in by the players, they were absolutely out in their feet there at the end. They couldn't honestly yeah. couldn't give them any more. Yeah, no, and and look, that's the way this team are though. They've always been like that, and you know, we've often won games where we weren't the better team. We just worked harder. But I think in this instance, we were equally every bit as good as Cork there, player for player. Um, you know, and look, you know, we are very disappointed. We thought the free count was really, really high from uh, in Cork's favour, but still, all the same, Cork won the game and the very best luck from going forward. Thanks very much. To Waterford's Russian Hartley there speaking to Jer. Going to move on, going to talk rugby and uh, Ireland's uh, win over England yesterday. It was thrilling stuff. It was edge your seat stuff. It was hurting them out stuff. But Ireland getting it done against the 14 men of England and uh, setting things up nicely for a triple crown clash with Scotland next Saturday. And who knows, can France beat England or lose to England, I should say, next Saturday evening? Should be a cracking afternoon of rugby. We're going to hear from Tom Savage of Three Red Kings in a bit. First, I spoke to our old pal Moss Finn, the Ireland Monster legend. We're going to hear from him, but I'm going to hear from, uh, or we're going to hear from Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton first off. Well, we learn a lot about ourselves, you know. We've we, we've been here before and been under pressure, and, and certain things, certain aspects of our game have not gone well before, and uh, and the game's run away with itself. And we, you know, we've 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 been on an early fly back, you know. So uh, this time round, um, you know, the, the the crowd were behind them, momentum was 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 going their way, and and sometimes, you know, when you've got 14 men, you you you've nothing to lose. And, um, sometimes when you've got 15 men you're playing against 14 men you've got everything to lose you know and we came a little bit desperate at times a little bit inaccurate at certain stages but having said all that um you take with the rough with the smooth and we, we came away with a, with a, a a brilliant victory in the end i thought the lads were were really calm whilst under a bit of pressure you know stayed stayed on task and uh uh, thoroughly deserved that bonus point in the in the end. Yeah, they were they weren't too happy with the decision uh, by the ref, um, so they were letting us know about it. But uh, I played in France for two years, so it was uh, something stood to me from my time in France. <laughs> uh, so look, it, it was uh, yeah, it was it was it kind of settled you down really. You know, if you get a kick like that, um, you know, big moment. You know, they got into fourteen, so. Uh, yeah, happy with that and, and uh, look, just happy with the team, the, the way we kept our composure, even though things were going against us. And um, yeah, if we if you told us before the game we get five points and keep us in the championship, um, we'd have, like Faz said, snapped your hand off for it. So uh, very happy. Yeah, lots of matches that I've played in over my career have been bizarre. Like that one wasn't, it, it was a good test match, you know what I mean? You're, ne- what are you, like, you're never going to come here and have an easy game, no matter what. Uh, England... Well, they've lost. Someone said during the week they've eight Six Nations games over the last you know twenty years. Like you know, so it's it's an incredibly tough place to come. Um, and when you come here, you need to play your best. And at times we didn't play our best, but then other times we played some great rugby. So probably a mixed performance by ourselves, but um, just outstanding by the lads to keep to task and to keep to the game plan. And we got our rewards with you know a couple of tries at the end, which which will be very important in the in the championship race 
Obviously, like like you just said, you know, we we started the game really well, didn't we? And uh, we were we were cutting them open, and that's with 15 men, you know. And uh, I suppose even just subconsciously, um, when when they go down to 14 men, there was space there for us, and some of the rugby was was outstanding, and we, we was making line break after line break, and it was the it was the, it was the force pass, wasn't it? That was that that um, that we had to just calm ourselves down and recycle the ball and. And trust ourselves a little bit more to 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 just go through one one or two more phases and get the rewards from there. But it wasn't just that. I thought um, England's set piece was 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 outstanding. Um, our discipline was at times um, it creaked a little bit. So continuity continuity certainly in the middle part of the third, uh, middle third of the game was 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 hard to come by. And I suppose that's what you want when you when you're down to 14 men. So. Hats off to them. I thought they spoiled um, um, parts of our game uh, pretty well. And uh, but I've, as I said, uh, uh, 60 minutes there, um, or 60 minutes or so, can't quite remember um, what the time was to be 15 all. And and you know what? To be fair, you could just tell the lads were were, were so calm um, on on the field there. We, we knew it wasn't past them as well to to do what they did in the end. Okay, we just heard from Andy Farrell and from Johnny Sexton for more on the game. Delighted to be joined on the line by our friend Moss Finn. And Moss, um, I suppose any day you beat England at Twickenham is a good day, and yesterday was a good day. Absolutely. It was an absolutely brilliant day. A wonderful match. Very, very tense. But a fantastic result. And as good a day in Twickenham as we've ever had. You know, it was, it was edge of the seat stuff. And... When we got the winning try at the end with Conan, I, I leapt off the seat and let a roar out of me. It was the first time I've done that in a, in a long, long time. Yeah, I think we all did. It was just um, a fantastic day, as we said. But look, it started off with a bang, quite literally. Charlie Ewell's getting sent off, and the referee had no other option there. Most stupidity in the first couple of minutes, wasn't it? It was a straight red all day long, yeah. you know, unfortunately for him and for Ryan, you know. But, but it, it didn't upset the game. Everyone thought that it might, but. Like the red card is there for a reason, and it's to stop guys tackling high, and it's it's been spelt out, and they're they're trying to rid that that from the game, and you know the more they produce red cards, the, the better. They're talking about having a yellow card or a an orange card for a twenty minutes sojourn rather than a full a full a full term. But I think you know the, the, it weren't in a red card, and unfortunately he had to go. But I felt a bit sorry for James Ryan because he's had a good few knocks to the mm-hmm. head now, and he is. He is a major enforcer in our team and he's the second in command to Sexton so I just hope he'll be okay long term. Yeah, big time, yeah. Um, when Ireland were playing against 14 men I suppose the obvious ex- expectation then is for Ireland to go off and win and win quite comfortably but England battled very, very hardly. I, I was watching on ITV yesterday and Rory Best suggested that maybe Ireland didn't know how to play against 14. What was your view on it? Well, I think it depends who you're playing against, obviously. But sometimes, you know, in in every game, even GA, like or the the team at 14 men can kind of it, it galvanise them a bit more, and they sort of they compete hard. I mean, England competed very hard. They 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 were very strong physically. You know, yours was a loss, and perhaps we were a little bit careless psychologically. But um, it it did make a difference. But like England were very very good, but the I think we kept patient. We maybe tried things too hard, but our patience ended up with a great victory in the end in that we we kept going at it, even though we were making the odd mistake. But the, mis- the mistakes were caused by the power of England, particularly in their scrum. 
Yeah, they had a, um, a lot of success against the Irish scrum yesterday. Were you surprised by that, Matt? I was. Well, I, I said before the game, fellas were asking me, what well, you know, fellas who were going for bits. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Do you think Ireland will win? I, do you think Ireland will win? I, I said, I, I think we probably will, except I felt Porter was a big loss. Yeah. And Kelleher also for scrummaging. And the, I thought that the referee did us an injustice in the scrums, to be honest with you. Now, having said that, Tyke for Tyke for long, he he got done. There's no doubt about that. Ging had his number. Yeah. But I felt it could have been three all penalty count in the scrums as opposed to six nil at half time, and that did play a part because England were easing off on one side, and it it, it appeared then that Ireland were whipping the scrum, but it wasn't the case. It was just the fact that they were holding off on one side, and then the power from Ireland was whipping it around. But the referee came down on side of the home team, which they often will. And the crowd was extremely partisan there and very loud. Mm. Their support was incredible. But the the scrum was a problem. But I think Sexton alluded to it this morning. He said, in, in other days, with such adversary like that, they would have been beaten. But this team is made of sterner stuff. And does that point to a different mentality that Andy Farrell's brought in over the last couple of years? I, I think so. He's a wonderful, he's a wonderful coach, and the, the the most salient point of the whole thing. You saw their celebrations afterwards. Mm. Everybody on the sideline, UC4, the player director, like they they seem to be a very happy bunch, and a happy bunch definitely play above the sum of their parts, you know. And I think a lot of that is down to Farrell, and he allows them play. I mean, it was such a high tempo game and such an exciting game to watch from home that that's down to. Farrell giving them license to try things, whereas during Joe Schmidt's term, he didn't allow Ireland to offload because he felt it wasn't in their DNA to do it. They weren't playing rugby since they were kids. And But Farrell gives them that license and it, it makes for far more exciting viewing and, and wonderful tries. I mean, if Murray had scored that try off Doris's break, yeah. I mean, that would have been one of the tries of, 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 of the decade. Mm. And Farrell gives them that license and gives them that confidence. He obviously doesn't chastise them too much for making mistakes because we did make mistakes, but we kept going at it. Yeah, I mean, like it's fifteen apiece with twenty minutes to go, and you're kind of getting a little bit nervy then at that point. I think, but as you mentioned, Moss, just the, the professionalism of Ireland just to see that out, the patience was just something else. It, it was because I mean, England had their chances particularly when the guy intercepted there. I said, "Oh my God, one of the one, yeah, we're going to have one of the, one of those days." and but we kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, and eventually England did get tired, as was predicted at halftime by one of the pundits, I can't remember, and, and we did execute eventually, you know. I felt Conor Murray was a very steadying influence there when he came on in that instance, to be honest with you, and he found Cohn with a deadly pass. Yeah, like the the options off the bench that came off the bench, as you mentioned there, Conor Murray came on, made a massive difference. He's just He just settled Ireland down and got them ticking when they needed it. Absolutely, he's a very he's played a lot. Like I mean, he's a two or three lines tours. He's a mature influence there, and you could see even when the scrum is you know when the ball is at the base of the rock or at the scrum, he's having a look all the time. And a fellow with that experience, he'll do the right thing nine times out of ten, and he and he did that yesterday. I felt Henshaw Henshaw contributed physically as well in the last twenty minutes. He retained great ball and got over the gain line four or five times also. Those two subs to come on were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was a fantastic day yesterday. And Ireland now move on to, to Scotland next week and uh, a potential triple crown. It could be a potential Six Nations if uh, if France uh, lose out to England. Um, what are you expecting now from the Scotland game next week? Well, I um, 
I saw France and Wales the other day. It was another great match. Like, it wasn't as exciting as our game, but it was, it was, a, it was a gritty match. In- Wales played quite grittily. And, like, England, if, if they get it going, can match France physically. So I think there's a possibility that England may win there. No, it's, it's, France will be favourites, but we have a chance. But I think we should beat Scotland on form. We, we, have, we have so many great players and we have the pole up front. And I think it would be remiss of me not, not to mention low on the wing there I mean every time he got the ball he made 40 or 50 mm. yards and I mean the smile on his face when he ran in from 60 yards I mean we haven't had a winger for a long time who, who could finish from 60 yards and I felt your man had the angle on him coming across you know but when you were finishers like that and you know and the the impact from the bench I think we could do a number in Scotland no problem yeah, looking forward to that. Makes for a, a fantastic afternoon next Saturday because Ireland and Scotland is on at quarter to five and then if Ireland win as we expect them to do, it sets it up very nicely for France and England at eight o'clock, so a cracking afternoon of rugby next week. A cracking afternoon of rugby. We won't be moving from our coach except when Ireland scores the tries. <laughs> we'll be leaping off <laughs> but, it, but it But it's great to have rugby like that and to see Ireland offloading like that and all that. Mm. I, I, it was was the most exciting afternoon that I've ever that I've watched in rugby for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Sexton signing a new contract up until um, the World Cup must during the week. It, it's great news because it, it obviously takes a bit of pressure off him because he now doesn't have to answer the question every week. What's the story with your contract? Fair comment, and as you know, the press will continually harangue him with that. But I am um, I'd have been sort of dubious of that up to up to now. But at thirty years of age, can he? could he stand at 10 in a World Cup but looking at the way he's playing now he's only playing better now than he has ever played and he seems to be able to take the hits a lot better he doesn't get injured as much and he is a very integral part of that whole setup. he's obviously the captain but and they look up to him so he is he is very important for us in the World Cup and I just hope he can stay standing now we have a good sub in Carberry but He's not the real deal yet compared to Sexton. Sexton is of paramount importance for our World Cup ambitions. It certainly is. Master pleasure as always, by Thanks for talking to us today. No problem, Roar. I enjoy that. As did I. Great to talk to Mas Finn, our good friend, about Ireland's fantastic win over England yesterday. Going to take a break. When we come back, more rugby analysis with Tom Savage and Three Red Kings. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. All right, for more on Ireland's win in Twickenham yesterday, joined by our good friend Tom Savage from 3RayKings.com. Tom, that was a fantastic win. Uh, what about the performance, though? Performance wasn't great. Uh, you look at the, the win, a bonus point win uh, against England and Twickenham. Fabulous. Mm. Can't complain about that. Performance, though, and elements of the performance, I won't say concerning, but not what you would expect in the circumstances. I think there was a lot of talk before this game from Eddie Jones talking about how Ireland were, were favourites for this game. Yeah, But he was right. It sounds like mind games, but it was right. Like Ireland are playing way better than England at the moment. And, and you'd imagine, even with the injuries, should have been coming in there and, and, and winning. Um, they got the win in the end, but man, they were made to work, work for it against the... Let, let's not forget an England side playing with 14 men for the guts of the entire game um, so in that regard you know you take the win but elements of the performance certainly were concerning um, I was watching on ITV yes I think it was Rory Best suggested that Ireland just simply didn't know how to play against 14 men um, like uh, it, it, it seemed like that 
Like, I, I think one of the main issues looking at the game was that uh, it seemed very much that Ireland knew where the space would be and should be, given that England were down a man, especially a, a tight forward who would have been developed, you know, defending the middle of the field. Hmm. So I think Ireland, in some ways, a, a bit similar to the Italy game where Ireland were also a little bit underwhelming, kind of went looking for that 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 you know that that extravagant pass or maybe looking to get into the wider spaces a little bit too early rather than taking on England um, directly. And I think some of that can come down to being a little bit, we'll say, reluctant and, and, and knowing that Italy or uh, England rather are coming to, to slow down Ireland's possession and almost trying to, well, we'll, we, we'll go around that. We, mm. we won't deal with England at the breakdown because they're down a forward. So we're just going to go wide. And it's in some ways, the, the theory behind that is solid. But it ended up with Ireland kind of overplaying and looking for, you know, maybe an offload that wasn't on or maybe going wide a little bit too quickly. And in some cases, tapping and going penalties that for me should have been kicked down the line or kicked for the posts. I think, you know, Ireland, especially outside that, that 10 minute period in the first half after Charlie Ewell's got that red card, looked really good. But then after that, I think that early period of dominance kind of brought Ireland's error rate into the game, yeah. chasing those wide breaks and I think that was that was a big factor in Ireland looking underwhelming that looked to try to shortcut where I think Ireland were concerned England can hurt Ireland at the breakdown so you know we won't engage with them there we're going to try and get wider and I think that was an element as to why things look so rough at times and Ireland struggled quite a bit with the scrum yesterday as well Tom what was the reason for that? Oh yeah look I, I think with the scrum if you if you go back and you watch any game where the scrum is a big factor, you could look at it. And like Ireland conceded six or seven penalties in the scrum, which again is a massive outlier in the game. I did a, an article there recently and I was looking at the average number of scrum penalties conceded in the game these days. Hmm. And it's around three or four, right? Ireland conceding six or seven is a, a wild outlier. You don't really see that happening all that much. So when you see that happening, you go back and you watch, and I've, I've watched the game back a couple of times now, some of those penalties could have been given to Ireland you know some of them but again like that's the thing with the scrum whoever goes forward generally gets the reward for the most part mm. and I think that was certainly the case with some of the scrums here but I think you're looking at the overall picture England were causing real trouble on Healy and causing a lot of trouble then as a result on Sheehan and then Furlong some of the stuff that I've looked at it seemed very much that uh, you had uh, Sinclair boring in essentially on, on Healy which again can be a penalty depending on what the referee is looking for but getting straight onto Dan Sheehan and as a result uh, the, the tight head going straight onto Dan Sheehan almost takes Healy and the loose head side of the scrum out of the game mm. and that puts a lot of pressure onto Dan Sheehan who's tall for a hooker anyway that's you might why is a hooker being tall a problem that is a problem in the scrum because if you're crouched over, you're you know if you're a taller hooker, you're kind of, you can get exposed by a a tight head drilling in because your your profile is just slightly above the prop to your left. In that case, it'd be Keen Healy. So Keen Healy was kind of taken out of the game really a lot in those scrums, and that puts a lot of pressure. Jamie George and uh, and uh, Ellis Genge were able to get straight onto Tyke Furlong, and right or wrong penalties either way that creates a dominant picture where England are going forward Ireland look like 
are struggling to live with England and referees reward dominance most of the time in the scrum and you could say look were England wheeling it around yeah, yeah they were uh, but it, to, to a certain degree like that doesn't really matter after a certain point it doesn't matter after a certain point so at that point you look to try to adapt Ireland couldn't really do that and that was a, and, and that was the issue I think and those penalties were really costly it, it gave England a lot of momentum and it gave them a way into the game and I, I remember that this scrum dominance happened mm. with seven forwards against eight so that's something for Ireland to look at uh, definitely against Scotland but you know you look at the the, 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 the power of the English uh, scrum very very impressive Coming down the stretch, Tom, um, Ireland's bench certainly came and made a difference. You made a point of uh, pointing out Conor Murray yesterday in your Twitter feed and the impact that he had on the game yesterday. Yeah, wildly controversial, weirdly enough. Not sure why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. But you look at um, at Conor Murray, I think what he does, and, and one of the things that, like Conor Murray is, is kind of heading into the autumn of his career now, we'll say. He's a good player, world-class player, actually, I think, on his day. Does he suit... Ireland's style of rugby that they're playing for the most part now I, I would say maybe not he doesn't have the, the breaking ability his tempo isn't quite at the high level that Ireland do to double down on the quick ball that Ireland you know want and, 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 and are engineered to play but in a game like this where so much of what Ireland was, uh, was doing for 60 minutes after that red card seemed very haphazard and uh, rushed and because again, Jameson Gibson Park is a very good player, but if I was to have a, a criticism of him, it would be his pass quality isn't great. It's not that he's not capable of making good passes, but consistency, you know, consistently rock to rock to rock to rock, phase for phase, the pass quality can vary wildly. With Conor Murray, you generally get a fairly high standard of of, of pass quality, but with that comes you know you don't get as much breaking around the ball at the break uh, at the at the rook you don't get as much sniping that's not really what Conor Murray does anymore I mean he was known for that earlier in his career but we haven't seen that in a while his box kicking again slowed the game down I know people don't like box kicking but it took a bit of the edge out of the game when England were really pushing and really putting pressure uh, on, on Ireland um, Conor Murray just kind of slowed the game down but then you go look at the phases after that some just really solid passing Ireland were able to get into structure Ireland were able to play with a little bit more composure it seemed at times and and that I think was a big factor in Ireland just kind of getting a hold in the game when England were really pushing and looking like they were really going to hurt um, mm. uh, Ireland because it looked like you know even with 14 men in that second half it seemed that all the momentum was with uh, was with England and that game could it like a, it was it was even at one point I think you know, a couple of decisions either way there yeah. and Ireland could have been chasing a lead heading into the last 20 minutes against 14 men in Twickenham with the crowd as, as, as hot as they were mm. that would have been a tough ask and I think Conor Murray alongside with Robbie Henshaw I think uh, alongside um, Jack Conan as well had a good impact off the bench too that helped and England did gas out they did they got blown up towards yeah. the end um, that played a, a factor but Conor Murray I thought played really really well and a guy who is you know, despite being a you know three or how many Lions tours has this guy been on, like is still somehow underrated, regardless of how accomplished <laughs> he is. It's 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 really unusual. But he's uh, yeah, I think he showed just what he can bring. Maybe not as a as a starter for every big game now, like he was in, in you know uh, in the last decade. But certainly a guy who's got a lot of value and, and a lot of uh, you know, uh, and I think he showed that in this game. 
Um, Johnny Sexton said afterwards that two years ago Ireland lose this game what has changed for Ireland in those two years that I've seen them I suppose is it just a a change in mentality that Andy Farrell has brought in or, or what is it well like you hear from guys just how much they love playing for Andy Farrell that Andy Farrell is a guy who has such respect amongst the playing group and you look you look back two years ago maybe under Joe, Joe Schmidt maybe he's talking about Ireland at the time were playing a style of game that was kind of looking a little bit outdated mm. at the time but then Ireland took I think maybe the guts of in the 18 months when Andy Farrell and Mike Cat first came in they took the guts of uh, like I said 18 months to to build a style of play that in a lot of ways has a lot, has a lot in common with rugby league and you look at the the players that, that Ireland have brought through and developed and there's still areas of depth that they need to address but mostly it's it's quality players coming in and they're they're playing in a system that suits what they're trying to do even though Ireland didn't play well here there's a lot of quality players there and I think you, you can look at elements like mentality and stuff like that and that's fine but I think you look at overall what Ireland are doing from a kind of a systemic you know like what are they doing out there I think the style of play they have now is more effective and gives them more gives them more value and allows them to play with a freedom that maybe they weren't playing with before not that Joe Schmidt was telling him you know don't bother offloading the ball lads I, I, I hate offloads I don't think that's the case but I think it's that they have more freedom now to play a game that suits the style that is like that is that is working and effective now and like Ireland still play with a lot of rucks but a lot of the game is based on now the quick ball and like I looked at the stats there from yesterday Ireland had 80% of their rucks were under 3 seconds mm-hmm. that counts against a team like England and you could say Ireland rushed it thereafter but overall I think that when you, when you see Sexton talking like that it just gives you the confidence and the I think the belief that they have in what they're doing is definitely there now and that confidence is, is powerful enough especially in an arena as physical as that game yesterday which was one of the most physical games I've ever seen anyway and speaking of sex and how important is it that his contract sag I suppose if you want to put it that way has been put to bed and he now can just focus on his rugby I suppose as to, to dealing with questions every time he's before the media of are you signing a new contract up to the World Cup yeah I, I think there's obviously a lot of interest in you know is he going to be the guy at that 2023 World Cup again if he starts that game against South Africa in the pool game he'll be 38 years of age mm. at that point which Again, it's kind of it's it's unheard of for a tier one nation going into a World Cup to have a, a starting ten at at that age. Not that it's old, but we're talking about old for rugby here. And like he's still playing incredibly well. No, it's 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 a bonus for Ireland. But for me, it just seems like a massive risk to have a guy thirty eight years of age coming in as as important and as pivotal as Johnny Sexton is to what Ireland are doing. Still, even now, again, is unheard of for me. And like 18, like, and, and, and that's the guts of maybe a year and a bit away now. That's a long time in rugby. And that's a long time for a, a, a pro athlete who, when you're, you know, when you're, you know, 38, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're pushing on, as I know myself. <laughs> so you're looking at like the, the, the injuries that may take, you know, a month, two months when you're a younger man could retire you when you're at that age. And like, you know, there's lots of rugby to be played between now and then. And, and that's the, the, the big kind of worry for me is that as good as Sexton is, and I'm not saying he shouldn't be starting, that that's the type of, you know, I, I think thing where teams don't do this for a reason because of the risks associated with it. You look at Sexton yesterday played 78 minutes of that game. Like Joey Carberry played, what, minute 30 seconds? 
like and, and I can't argue with it that it was wrong because Sexton played well mm-hmm. he's a very important guy and a captain but at that age for me I think it's an awful risk having your captain and your number 10 it's such a like the levels of importance are kind of there's a they're, they're multiplied there that's a big factor for me and I'm just wondering how sensible that is for Ireland in the long term but I'm not suggesting either that Sexton isn't the number one guy at the moment because he certainly is but there's risks that comes with that and, and that's going to be the, the worry for Ireland over the next year is if he is the guy and he is signed on a new central contract and he is your captain that means he has to play most of the big games like there's risk there and, and that's a risk I think that Ireland will have to balance and mitigate against coming into that World Cup and just finally just wrap up Tom Ireland heading now to, to face Scotland next week Triple Crown up for grabs there and look, a potential Six Nations title but you've got to beat Scotland first you expect Ireland to beat Scotland next week and is there any chance that England could do us a favour and beat France in the evening game yeah look I, I think with the England-France game first I think that England play with the intensity and physicality that they did uh, yesterday they can absolutely beat that French team as good as that French team are that English performance was incredibly good now they might be missing Tom Curry but they're big they're physical and they can go toe to toe with France in those stakes Ireland weren't really able to do so against um, against uh, France and you can argue if it was 15 and 15 for 80 minutes that they might not have been able to do that against England either but you look at you know, England versus France is always a massive game. You know, they, they call it, it's the only game that's got, you know, a, a name on it, Le Crunch. That's the, that, that's the you know, they, they don't have that, they don't have that name for any other team. So like you look at the, the England versus France, it's always going to be a big one. And I think you're looking at the possibilities, England can certainly win that game. But from an Irish perspective, they can only control what's in front of them, I suppose. That's beating Scotland. And again, I think people have this idea with Scotland that, they, you know, talk themselves up and they gas themselves up con- constantly, but then always disappoint. I'm not sh- like I-, I think when they're asked questions about how they're doing, they're hardly going to go, "Yeah, look, it's the worst we've ever been, really," and, and we're, we're we're struggling to get a team together. I think Scotland are good, but I think Ireland should be beating them nine times out of ten, as that's been the case for the last number of years. Mm. So, like Ireland at home against Scotland, you expect an Ireland win every time, uh, and I think that. Again, you're looking at the if Scotland stay 15 for this game, which you you would hope would be the case. <laughs> I think Ireland, I think, are almost better suited in that regard because it'll force them to stay on the structure that has been so successful for them. I think looking at the the way that Ireland beat Wales in that first game, complete dominance could easily be duplicated in this game because I think the reasons why. Wales lost that game against Ireland in the first round would be the same reason that Scotland would lose in the same manner so for me an Ireland win bonus point take the triple crown and then see what see what comes out of that England-France game because uh, you know the, the championship is still on there and again uh, I think with the with it being Scotland Ireland look at that game it's a bit like the way United look, used to look at Spurs a couple of years ago <laughs> in the soccer lads it's Scotland I think that's the way that these guys would have to look at it and yeah, again look Scotland might spring a surprise but mm. I'd be surprised <laughs> indeed uh, finally Tom tell the people what's happening over at 3redkings.com uh, this week looking at in detail Ireland's win over um, England and I'm looking at the Munster versus Bulls game uh, as we build towards that game against Scotland and Munster's run into the uh, kind of end end of the season and, and looking to see if Ireland can win and if Munster can win something this year so that's what we're looking at there over in Patreon Excellent stuff. Tom, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for talking to us today.
Thank you very much. Oh, I was blown away by Tom's knowledge and his uh, insight into the game and uh, always fantastic to have him here on the Big Red Bench. Be sure and check out 3redkings.com. Arsenal have beaten Leicester but two goals to nil. Ian Beach. Arsenal 2, Leicester nil. Five straight Premier League wins then for Arsenal. A goal in either half for them as well. Thomas Partey opened the scoring in the first half with a near post glancing header and in the second, Alexander Lacazette scored a penalty after VAR decision on a handball by Chaglas onto the Leicester defender it might have been different if it hadn't been for a spectacular save by Arsenal goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale to deny Ashley Barnes just before half time Arsenal 2 Leicester 0 Alright just before we wrap up Cork City Waterford tomorrow night at Turners Cross if you want to win a pair of tickets 086 106 answer the very simple question who is Cork City's manager 0868104106 and we're going to hear from him now here is Colin Healy talking to Colm ahead of tomorrow night's clash top of the table at the cross against Munster Rivals Waterford Colin so you're back after missing for a couple of weeks obviously you've been keeping an eye on the team how have you viewed the way results have gone in the couple of weeks you've been away I, listen I thought um, the lads have done very well um, first of all it's good to be back it's good to be back Do you know as I said I was at the game against Cove during the night and I thought the lads put on a very very good performance but even away to Longford um, difficult place to go um, clean sheet listen we got the point and uh, it was, um, it's been good overall so happy to be back as you said listen it's um, the coaching staff and obviously Liam Carney's coming to help and listen they've been fantastic and you know listen, they, they, there's no bother with them so they did they, um, a very very good job it was an important win on um, Friday in the local derby against Cove. I mean, to, to get that win was vital going to a big game there tomorrow night as well. No, it was, yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, against Cove, it's, it's always a tough game. As I said, Darren has, um, has um, assembled a very good squad there. So um, we know it was going to be tough, but the players went out and they did what we asked them to do. Um, we thought they were fantastic. We looked, we, listen, it could have been a lot more. We were very dangerous on set plays. We were thought we controlled the game, so thought it was a good performance. And you know, it was a big crowd as well. And I think everybody went home happy. Looking at the start of the season overall, are you reasonably happy with it? I mean, you got a good win up in Bray, a good win the other night. You were probably unlucky not to get something in the Galway game, and the Longford game was just a poor game then. Yeah, no. Listen, you're, you're going to get that at the start of the season. You know, it's um, it's um, you know, we're keeping clean sheets. We're um, defensively, we look very, very strong. Um, and we're creating a lot of chances as well you know so um, even against against Longford we had, we had a few chances but we didn't score but it's going to be like that but defensively that we look strong um, that's so so important um, but we'll put points on the board and as I said coming in we've got a big game now against Waterford uh, tomorrow night so it'll be um, it'll be a tough task uh, you mentioned the, the clean sheets and the defence another clean sheet the other night that's three clean sheets now in the four games and only, only that kind of uh, unlucky goal against Galway really I mean the defence has been very strong and David Harrington is doing very very well in goal and he, he kept quite a few clean sheets when he came in at the end of last season as well and he's continued that into this season Oh yeah as well as I said it's, it's, it's the team it's the, it's the walk rate from your two centre forwards your midfielders your defenders and obviously with David David in goal he's is, is been doing really really well but it's, it's it's an overall it's a team performance the lads are defending very very well um, listen, look, going forward we look dangerous as well so it's, um, it's an overall team performance In terms of goal scoring then and, um, obviously Dylan McGlade got the hat-trick Barry Coffey got a couple up in Bray and we, we were chatting then with Richie the last couple of weeks about spreading the goals around and, and that's what happened Keane Murphy get back on the score sheet on Friday mm-hmm. and Ali Gilchrist as well I think you mentioned him earlier on uh, in, in an earlier chat about that he's capable of getting goals as well he is yeah as I said he's, he's dangerous from a set place um, and I said it's great to Keane Murphy to get his goal but Keane Murphy's work rate is, is it's unbelievable and you know it's, um, it's great for him to get the goal and hopefully 
many more goals will follow. But as I said, with Ali and we have we have more players as well, and Matt Healy and Aaron Bulger and all these lads, Kevin Connor. That there's goals in them as well, like you know. So but that will come. That will come. Um, tomorrow night no it's Waterford I mean they, they've had a very good start to the season themselves they're three points ahead tomorrow night it's, it's, it's early in the season but Waterford the top Cork City second it's the top of the table clash already so it's a big game it is it's a massive game it's a massive game so it's um, and it's one that we're looking forward to Listen, they're a good, they've got a good squad um, good manager and they've got some good attacking players but, um, but so do we um, we've got a, a, a very good squad so it's it's, it's it makes it to be a very very exciting game so as I said the, the pleasure in this morning um, we get ready this morning we'll go through the training session and um, we get ready for tomorrow night yeah I cannot wait for that game tomorrow night Cork City versus Waterford top of the table clash at Turner's Cross and two people will certainly be there are Lee McCarthy and Marie O'Mahony have won tickets this evening for correctly tell me and Colin Heaney is the Cork City manager and great to see Colin back uh, around the club after uh, being absent for the last couple of weeks Richie Holland's still in charge for tomorrow night's game but great to hear Colin I'm chatting with uh, Colin uh, there today. That's it from us. Thank you very much indeed uh, for tuning our way on the Big Red Bench tonight. Uh, podcast online very shortly, redfm.ie. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, folks. We're back next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 6 to 7. We'll talk to you next week. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.